All right. Uh, well, we are wrapping up this part of this series. Uh, if you're new to New Hope here, we're going through the book of Romans. We started way before Easter. We're going all the way to the end of August, and we're breaking, up it, breaking it up into, I think, three or four different series, okay? And, uh, and so we are in this kind of middle section of Romans chapter 9 through 11, um, where we're calling that all may be saved, that God has a plan for salvation. And he may, has made it known to us, and, um, and we're learning about the history of Israel. And so today, it's the last part of this series. We're doing the last section of chapter 11, um, which chapter 11 is, um, it's meaty, right? It's, it's, there's, there's like, yeah, there's a lot in it. So I'm, today, we're just going to do Bible study. Sound good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, for seven of you. All right, so the rest, um, <laughs> is it okay? Yes? Yeah. All right, all right, here we go. So, um, so with this, I always ask you um, to grab one of the series guides, right? And so today, we actually have a brand new series guide that was sitting on your chair. Go ahead and grab that. Everybody hold it up in the air for me, like you just don't care, right? Or even around. All right, there you go. Okay, so that is your series guide for the series coming up starting next Sunday, where we're getting into chapter 12, and we're transitioning into this new series where it starts to really get about what it means to live a Christ-centered life, right? That what does it mean to live a new life? And, uh, and we're going to get into some very good practical things. Next week is my life verse, my favorite verse, chapter 12, 1 and 2. We're just doing two verses next week, okay, um, in chapter 12. So it's going to be really awesome. Uh, but in that series guide, if you haven't joined us before, we create a, a system, a, a way for you to spend devotional time, some quiet time with God every single day. And so on that, you'll see a method to do that called the SOAP method, where you read a, the scripture that we have on the other side, the reading plan, and then you make an observation, just one note about it, maybe ask the Holy Spirit, would you show me something in this? And you just make a note of that. And then application A, which is, well, what does this mean for me? How can I apply this to my life today or this week? And then P is prayer, that God wants to hear from you. He may know what's going on already, but he loves to hear from his kids. He wants to know what's going on in your life and, and for you to pray to him and talk to him. And, um, and that's a part of our relationship with God, that we can pray. And so grab one of those. Now on the bottom, there are new memory verses, but I'm going to wrap up this series with the memory verse that we're going to end with today in chapter 11. Um, and we want you to hide God's word in your head so it moves to your heart, so it changes your hands, right? It, you put it to, into action. You do something with God's word. And, and so this is the memory verse um, for the second half of this series. Uh, so if you want to read this out loud together with me, is everybody ready? Yeah. Let's read it together. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. There's a great amen right there. Amen means so be it, or it will be, is what, is what Paul is saying right there. Like, God will be glorified, and, uh, and we want him to be glorified in our lives. So, so let, let me get us caught up here, okay? Um, if you haven't joined us and you haven't been part of this, let me get you caught up on chapters 9, 10, and 11, what we've been learning. Because in, in, in the first few chapters, we see that, that Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's setting up an argument for us to understand we're all sinners. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, if you're religious, not religious, we are all sinners. And it came to the conclusion at Easter, which is we all need a Savior, <laughs> We all need Jesus Christ. Jesus became our salvation. He paid for our sin on the cross. We can be forgiven now and forever because of what he did for us. And that is the good news of the gospel, right? Now we get into the middle here in chapters 9 through 11. Now we're learning about the history of Israel because Israel, the Jews, that nation is a part of our, as Gentiles, as non-Jews, as a part of our spiritual heritage, that we belong to what we read all through the Old Testament, 
And, um, and that's what we've been learning. So what is the history of, the, of Israel, the Jews? What is the present state of the Jews? And what is going to be the future, which we're answering today, for the Jews, for Israel, and God's plan that he had set forth all through the Old Testament and the prophecies? And so we learned that the present state of Israel is that the majority are rejecting God's salvation. The majority of Jews don't accept Jesus as their Messiah. But there will always be a remnant who do accept that, that currently there's a remnant of Jews who are Messianic Jews who believe Jesus is their Messiah. They believe in the prophecies being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so there's a small remnant, and if you remember, the percentage was 2% of all the Jews who live on the planet today have accepted the message. That is a small remnant. But God has a plan, and that's what we're talking about today, right? So, so we learned, learned that um, through this, that Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah then opened up salvation for us all. It was a part of God's plan, that God didn't want it just for the Jews and just for Israel. He wanted it for everyone, and that goes way back to the promise to Abraham that all people will be blessed through you. That was God's promise to Abraham. Now, all of us get the blessing of salvation because of this promise. So, because of their rejection, now we get to be a part of the story of God and that God accepts anyone who, who will listen and respond to, to the good news of salvation. And, and the key word is accepts who? Anyone. It doesn't matter how good you feel like you've been in life or how absolutely horrible you've been in life. It doesn't matter if your neighbor is a great neighbor, but they don't know Jesus, or they're the biggest jerk you've ever met, and they don't know Jesus. They both don't know Jesus. That when he says anyone, he means anyone. Who, anyone who has a soft heart to receive the message of the gospel, they can respond to the good news and accept salvation. And this is good news for all of us, amen? <laughs> that we all get to, we're all anyone. You were in anyone. We were all in any, I am in anyone. Like, we all have that opportunity. And so the Jews' history was, they were waiting for a Messiah. They got the promises of God, and then the Messiah showed up. Their current state is, a majority rejected him, a minority, a remnant, accept him. And now we're talking about the future. What's going to happen with Israel? What's going to happen with the Jews? And what's God's plan in the end? Now, I can go really deep and crazy with this. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible as we walk through this together. And so let's do this. We're going to be starting halfway through the book of Romans chapter 11, verse 25. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open to Romans 11 with me. And, um, and we're going to be starting in verse 25, and I'm going to read it out loud together. And here at New Hope, we, we stand when we read God's Word. So if you could stand with me and as, as, a, as a showing of honoring uh, God's Word together um, as we read it. I think I just have it up here, don't I? Yeah. So Romans 11, starting verse 25, I'm going to read to verse 32 uh, to prepare us for the Word this morning. This is what it says. Uh, Paul says this, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as 
just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. God, you've given us your word. You've spoken. Your Holy Spirit has spoken it to us. And we're asking this morning, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now? Whatever it is each of us need to hear from your word, help us receive truth, accept truth, and be changed by truth. Thank you for speaking your love to us. Use this right now in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys can have a seat. Have a seat. I want to tell you a story about Jake and Billy. Jake was born to a good family, and, and he was an only child. Jake, Jake was loved by his, his parents. I mean, he was a dearly loved son. And they took care of every single need that he needed. And, and uh, he was a blessed son. Um, his parents blessed him every single day, prayed over him, encouraged him, gave him what he needed, even gave him what he wanted, and he knew that he was loved and he was safe in the home with his family. Until he grew, he grew to about the age of nine. And at nine years old, um, Jake's family, his parents, decided and, and prayed and, and felt like God was calling them to adopt somebody. And so as they're praying and they went through this process, they're trying to walk Jake through it like, we're, you're going to have a, a brother or sister, and, um, and we believe God's asking us to adopt. And, and Jake was like, okay, okay, I, this would be cool, you know, to have a sibling. And, and so the parents finally ended up adopting another son at the same age, nine years old, named Billy. And so Billy didn't come from a, a, a good family. He had a hard life and went through some hard things. And he never really knew what loving parents felt like until, until he was adopted in this family. And he started experiencing love that he never knew he could have. And uh, his adopted parents now blessed him, loved him, encouraged him, gave him everything he needed, just as the same as they did with their birth son, Jake. And Jake started seeing this, and Jake started getting uncomfortable with it. Like, wait, wait, wait. All this love was my love. You were supposed to only give it to me. And he started getting angry and jealous at his new adopted son to the point where he decided, I'm done with this. They don't love me the way they used to love me. I'm leaving. And he ran away. And he ran so far that he had no idea how to get back. And his parents had no idea where he went. Imagine being his parents. They were scared. They were probably angry. They were confused. Their hearts were breaking. What is going on with our son Jake? We can't find him anywhere. And he just goes missing. And Billy is there. And Billy's heart is broken for Jake. Imagine being the parent. How heartbroken you would be in that situation. I want to paint that picture for you. Because that is the picture that we're going to read in these verses. We're reading about children of God, that, that Israel, that the Jews were God's kids, 
They were born into the lineage of Abraham, and so they were blood children of the promise all the way back to Abraham. And yet, just like Jake, they ran away. They ran away from the love of God. They ran away from the gifts of God, the promises of God. They ran away. I believe God's heart is the same heart as a parent. As a heavenly father, his heart has been breaking since then and has continued to break till, well, even today. We are like Billy. (laughs) We're the adopted kids. We're the ones that don't have the blood lineage of the Jews, of of the promises back to Abraham because we're born into it. We were adopted. (laughs) And God chose to adopt us into his family and show us the same love, the same gifts, the same provision, the same promise. And we get to be adopted in. Isn't that good news? And so when we read this passage, I want, us to, I want you to feel that tension because that tension is real. That is really what's going on when we get to chapter 11 in this situation where we see the Gentiles, those who aren't of the lineage of the Jews, and we see the Jews and all of Israel. And what is God's plan in the end? As a heavenly father, what does he want to see happen, right? What is his desire in this? And so we're going to read through this. I'm just going to teach kind of, pretty much kind of verse by verse, okay? So those of you who love that kind of teaching, woo, it's your morning, all right? So we're just going to, we're going to hop right into it, okay? Um, so so let's, let's get back into this then. We read it earlier. So, so this is what's going on in Romans 11, starting verse 25. So Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. And we're talking about a mystery. Like you see that in the New Testament whenever he says, hey, there's this great mystery. There's been this mystery revealed. The reality is we live in the time where mystery and the mystery of the prophecies of the Old Testament are revealed in our time. Like we get to live on the mystery revealed side, right? Which is so awesome. So he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of that mystery. It's already been revealed, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Why? Because Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. So there's like, that's a prophecy. He's saying uh, Israel's heart, they're, they're going to be like pushing away God still, or Jesus as Messiah still, until what happens? Until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. There's a plan. God has a plan. He wants Gentiles to be coming to him, and more and more of us who aren't Jews to come to know him in salvation, and there's a number. I don't know what the number is, if you know the number, let me know, right? Like, I don't, we don't know what that number is, but there's a number because he says there's a number. We, we actually see this when you, Jesus said it in Matthew 24. Let me, let me go back to Jesus when he was preaching here. Matthew 24, 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in where? The whole world. Now, this was mind-boggling at that point because Jesus is walking with just a few disciples, and he's saying, the whole world's going to hear about this, by the way. And they're like, how is that? They don't have social media. You know, they don't have satellite dishes. They don't have, like, how in the world is the whole world going to hear about this? That's God's plan. He's like, the whole world's going to hear. He has a plan. The whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. There's a number. There's a plan. Like, God, God wants to see the full number of those who aren't of, of Israel— Come to salvation. And uh, do you know what? Today, I don't know that number, but if that number is like one away, could you be that one? <laughs> like, could you be it? Like, could you accept Jesus today if you don't know him? Like, could you be a part of that? Like, but he has a plan. God has a plan. He's opened up salvation to all of us as Gentiles, and he's waiting. He's waiting. We're going to see the character of God in this. 
And so, so then he goes back in verse 26, and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. So when he's talking about Jacob, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about the Jews. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. God has a plan for Israel. And he says that what? That all Israel will be saved. Now this is an interesting statement. And you have to go back and see where else does it say all Israel throughout the whole Old Testament and New Testament. And what does he mean when he says all Israel? Does it mean all the Jews all for all time? That's not the way I see it. That's not the way I read it through the Old Testament and New Testament. When he says all Israel, it's all Israel, all who is alive in Israel. It's all the Jews who are alive at that present time, whenever that time is. So when he's making a statement, whenever Jesus comes back, there will be all Israel— all the Jews who are present in this moment will come to salvation. God has a plan for the runaway. He has the plan for those who currently reject. And one day, they will see Jesus as who he really is. Their Messiah. The Messiah of Israel and of the whole world. And he goes into prophecy right? Into these passages. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as for election is concerned, they are loved on account of their patriarchs. This is what I was talking about. Like, they're already part of the family because of their fathers, right? Like, they're already in, and so it's a part of their election, God's choice. That's what election means. If you remember, I talked about, like, it's like God voted for you. (laughs) If you're a part of his family, he voted for you. Like, he wants you to be part. And so Israel, the Jews, he chose them. He elected them. And because of who they are, on account of their, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Meaning he made promises that he will, he will fulfill. And there are many prophecies that are still to be fulfilled for us as Gentiles and specifically for Israel and the Jews. God has a plan. And he's in the middle of working it. Let me keep reading. Verse uh, 30. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> Those who are at one time disobedient to God, or even currently disobedient to God, right? Have now received, say this word with me, mercy. Mercy as a result of their disobedience so that to, um, so that they too now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. There's a lot of mercy in there, isn't there? All right, last verse, verse 32. For God has bound everything over to disobedience so that he may have what? Mercy Mercy on them all. Mercy's in there a lot at the end. And, And so I want us to understand God's Mercy. We're going to learn a lot about God's character this morning. I hope you're ready. Um, this is, these, some of these things are not in your notes, so you may want to write some of this stuff down as we go through it. But this is what he's saying about Israel, that for us, before you knew Christ, you were walking in disobedience. For Israel, that's their current state. The majority are walking in disobedience. Because of our disobedience, God shows us mercy. He shows us mercy. Uh, fill in the blank, number one, okay? That God's mercy, here's the good news, God's mercy exceeds our disobedience. 
allowing us to experience salvation. God's mercy exceeds our disobedience, okay? If, if God did not have enough mercy for your disobedience, you would never be able to accept salvation. But because his mercy for us, and we're going to learn about his character in a moment, I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you want to start flipping your Bible there, we're going to actually go through 1 through 10, 10 verses in another book of the Bible, okay? So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, or you can write it down or circle it. We'll get there in just a minute. But it'll help us understand how this works, how God's mercy exceeds our disobedience, which allows us to experience salvation, okay? So let's, let's go to the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Again, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing on a very similar topic as what, what we're talking about. And, th- and this is for us. This is for you today. This might be for you right now. As for you, you were dead in your trans- transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There's a current reality. Satan is alive and he's real. And he's got demon lackeys who are trying to accomplish his work in your life to kill, steal, and destroy. So there is a spirit of, the, of, of, um, of, of who is now at work leading people to disobedience, but there's also those who follow the ways of the world. So there's a ruler of this kingdom, and then there's just ways of the world. There's some things that we do that are just us. <laughs> Satan had nothing to do with us being stupid, right? It's just us letting our temptation come into play. It's us following that temptation down a path, and Satan's like, I didn't need to go near that one. They're just having fun on their own, right? They're just going the way of the world, like, because that's the, world, the way the world leads us. So there's two things that are pulling us away from God continually, our own sin and temptation and Satan dragging us away. He said, that's where you used to be. Now he's talking to Christ followers. That's where you used to be. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. When you live in the way of the world or the way of Satan— you are in direct opposition to God's holiness and his love. Which puts you in the position of preparing yourself for wrath to come. Because sin leads to death, leads to judgment and separation. That is God's wrath. He says that's where you once were. Now we get to hear about the character of God. But, I'm glad there's a but, Because of who? God's great love for us. God who is, say this with me, rich in mercy. If you want to be rich in something, it doesn't say God's rich in money. That is our, our idea of status. If you're rich in something, be rich in money. Be rich in career, be rich in success, be rich in family glory. Like be, be rich in all that. He's like, no, no, no. God's character. He is rich. He is wealthy beyond compare in love. He is rich in love. He's got plenty of it. This is the character of God. You're going to see this phrase rich in, okay, a few times. So this, 
Let me go back and finish it. Who is rich in mercy, for us God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Amen. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We already have a seat at the table of heaven. That, that is by God's riches of love and saving us by his grace, giving us what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. His mercy is us not getting what we deserve, his wrath. Grace is us getting what we don't deserve, which is heaven and his presence, alongside Jesus Christ. He says, in, in order that the coming ages, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. So he's rich in love, and now he is rich in grace. It means he's got plenty of it. It's unlimited. It's expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. God is a gift giver who is rich in grace and rich in mercy and rich in love. This is God. He's a wealthy guy with the right things that we need today. Okay? This is who he is. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. We're not saved by works so that no one can boast. We can't say, look at me. I'm better than that person, and I'm better than that person. I'm closer to God than they are. It's like baloney you are. The only reason you're even near the cross, the only reason because you even have an opportunity to get to heaven, it's because of God's riches and his mercy and his grace and his love. Nothing you did. For we are God's, and this is a great thing, for we are God's handiwork. Some of your versions say masterpiece. That is such a cool word, isn't it? it is. When God made you, he broke the mold. That's how awesome you are to him. You are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's got a plan for you and for me, and it's to do some good stuff Amen. that represent a loving, gracious, forgiving, merciful God. This is the character of God. God's mercy exceeds our disobedience. Are y'all feeling that? Feeling it. Allowing us to experience salvation. And now what he's saying about Israel, about the Jews, he says, and it's for them too, even in their harsh disobedience, even in their direct um, rejection of Jesus as Messiah. His mercy, his love, his grace is extended, waiting for his beloved child to come home. He's excited about all the adopted kids. what I read is there's something special about his birth kids. And his love is equal for both. When you get into this study of what's God's plan for Israel, for the Jews in the end, it's this whole, it, 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 it's, there's this study called eschatology. It's the study of the last days, of end times, right? That there's prophecy all through the Old Testament and New Testament talking about Christ returning again. And there are things that will be happening when that happens. There are signs that will lead up to it. There's, there are things in, in, in God's timing that will happen during it. And then finally, the final thing is God 
setting it all back right, bringing a new Jerusalem, a new city here on this earth for Christ to reign and rule and for us to reign and rule with him in his presence and glory forever. That's the end. What he desired in the garden in the beginning will be exactly the same dream in the end. And we're invited. We are invited into that. Now, I'm not going to go super crazy deep this morning on eschatology. I'm not going to take us to Revelation. I'm not going to go back to prophecies in Daniel and Isaiah. And like, we don't have a lot of time to do that. And honestly, I'm, I have not studied that to the depths of, of feeling comfortable of preaching that because if you go to different theologians, they all have different views. They, they all kind of argue back and forth. Well, it's this, or it's just pre-millennium, post-millennium, millennium blah, 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 blah. So I'm just going to bottom line this. Is it okay if I bottom line it for us this morning? Okay. Here's the bottom line. I want you to fill in the blank, okay, on this one. Here's the bottom line. Jesus will return. Amen? Amen. Like, I know that's going to happen. There is a capital D day when he shows up. The trumpets will sound. Things are going to happen. Jesus is showing up. Jesus will return. He promised it. God's setting the time for it. We know the full fold and number of the Gentiles hasn't happened yet because that hasn't happened. We haven't seen it, right? He's waiting. God's grace and kindness and his patience is waiting for that day so that all may hear, that all may receive, that all may accept, that all may have the opportunity to respond to the good news of the gospel of what Christ has done. God is waiting patiently even in a broken, distorted world that we live in. His grace and mercy is present. That Christ's followers will be resurrected and glorified. Woo! When I say resurrected, I mean resurrected. We are told that we will be as Jesus. Meaning this body, whatever the heck this is right now, called the dad bod. <laughs> I, I saw a sign, I'm like, no, I'm calling it now the father figure. Right, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> All right, so we got the father figure you know, going. Um, we will all die on this earth. It'll be temporary. And there will be that time when we are all resurrected as Christ followers in the presence of Jesus. And these unglorified bodies, these temporary shells, will be made glorified. They will be as Christ, as his body is. I long for that day. Amen. And when that happens... We will see the next steps that then Israel will be saved. That God has a plan. We see this in chapter 11, and it's where I'm really just hanging out with this. In chapter 11, we see all Israel will be saved. All those present at that moment, whenever that is in history. I don't have a date. Can't give it to you. That God has a plan to bring in his people, the Jews. And that they will see, eyes open, who Jesus actually is. And that's God's plan. We get to the end of Romans chapter 11. And I love Paul's, the way Paul ends 11. Of this history, of the present state of the Jews, and the future of the Jews. He ends with, with like a worship song. You know, he ends with, with like, but what is this really all about? It's not just us like doing history. This is not just a history lesson. Like, this is where it all comes to a head. This is the end of all things. And so I want us to read the last part of chapter 11 because this is awesome. 
because he sums it up like this. He says, oh, the depth of the riches. So he's rich again. God's rich. Here we go. (laughs) What is he rich in now, Paul? Like the depth of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge, right? The wisdom and knowledge of God. That means he's unlimited in his wisdom and he's unlimited in his knowledge. We are not. We are quite limited in our wisdom and quite limited in our knowledge. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. It's like we can't understand them. There's things that we try to understand, and there's things that it's good to try to understand. There's complicated things in the Bible. If you read it, there's some things that are just daggum confusing. And, and as you read it, it's okay to live in the confusion and still be sure of the things you're sure of. It doesn't have to rattle your faith because the good news is it actually increases your faith because what it does for me, it says, God, only you know. You're the one with unlimited knowledge. You're the one with unlimited wisdom. You know what all this is going to look like. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? He doesn't need one. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? And then the final statement, our memory verse, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So be it. He says, it's like Paul saying, I'm trying to help you understand. And I'm trying to help you understand. But in the end, God's the only one that understands. And in the end, the end of all things will be to him be the glory forever. That's the end of the story. God will be glorified. Christ will be glorified. And we get to be living in his glory. So be it. Amen. God has a plan. Good news is you're a part of it. I'm a part of it. Israel is a part of it. And, it, and it's expressed through his love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, wisdom, knowledge. And he has all those riches for you. Here's my last point. There are things that only God knows Bottom line, he will be glorified forever. That's the bottom line. God, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that, I've, that, that you've spoken, that you've done something in this and in my words, and that you're doing something in our midst right now, and that whatever you want us to hear, God, let us have ears to hear. Let us have soft hearts to receive what you want to say to us right now as we just take some time to respond. And in a moment, God, as we're going to respond in communion in a moment, which is just a reminder of what it cost. You, I mean, the, the cross was the full, the, the full expression of your character. Just lead us in this time of response, God. So those of you who are Christ followers in the room, this is my hope for you. My hope this morning is that you are grateful. Just like 
Billy was excited to be adopted by a loving family that you can be thankful you've been adopted into God's holy family. And he has all the love and all the grace and all the mercy and all the provision. And, and, and he even gets excited to give you what you want at times. And that you're a part of his family. So as a Christian, that's, that's the joy of being adopted. That God is our Heavenly Father. So I, I just, I, I'm hoping that you feel that this morning. We're going to take communion. Pastor Jim, in a moment, is going to lead us in that time of communion, which is the reminder of your adoption, okay? And, and so we're going to do that in a moment. Now, there are those of you in this room, maybe you've been far from God, and God is calling you to him. The Holy Spirit is stirring something in you that you can't explain in yourself. And all I can tell you is when the Holy Spirit does that in you, it's God saying, I want you to be one of mine. It's the invitation of the gift. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He pulls you to that invitation. And today, if you want to be adopted in, if you want to have that kind of relationship with many of us in this room have that relationship with God, if you want to join the family, you are more than welcome. And it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you did last night or this morning. It doesn't matter. None of, it, none of the things that have caused sin and separation in your life matter. The moment you bring it to God and say, God, would you forgive me of my sins? And you confess with your mouth, believing her, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again, meaning he conquered death, that you can be saved, forgiven, adopted. And if that's you today, I would say start today. You're a part of the waiting of God. You're part of that number of the Gentiles that he's waiting to come to him. That's you today. I would say come to him today. And all you have to do is pray, talk to him. And I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer. And if that's you, you can say a prayer just like it. I, I always say there's no magic words of any pastor that gets you any closer to God. I'm a sinner, just found the Savior. And so when I pray, you can pray, but make your own words, your own confession to him. And so let's do this church right now. Let's just bow our heads and let's spend this time with God. And if you're a Christ follower, be praying for somebody who you know needs Jesus right now. Would you pray for them by name? That God would be working in their hearts because God wants all to be saved. And that all is somebody that you know. And those of you in this room, you want Jesus today, right now, you come before him and confess and you come and repent, repent and ask him to be Lord and he is going to enter in right now. And you can pray right now. Just join me. You can even repeat right after me if you want. So you can say, God, I believe Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I'm asking, would you forgive me, God, of all my sin? Would you save me and make me right before you? I believe Jesus, your son, is alive today. So I'm asking, would you enter into my heart? Change me from the inside out and give me a peace that only comes from you. Give me your Holy Spirit. I want to be yours now and forever. And I confess this and ask this in Jesus' name alone. Amen. Amen. And if that's you, if you made a decision today, maybe for some of you, it is a coming back to Jesus moment today. I would encourage you to do two things. One, I would encourage you to get out that Connect card again and let us know. Mark that on your Connect card right away and let us know. Okay? 
because we want to be praying for you. And if you're part of the family today of Christ, you're welcome to join in communion. Even if you just accepted Christ today, you can join us in communion because communion is for Christ followers as that reminder of, of what we've been given in this gift.